0: Hi everyone, thanks for joining us for this latest podcast from the Herbert Smith Free Hills pensions team. This is the latest podcast in our soundbite series on the new Pension Schemes Act, in which we're looking at the key elements of the Act and considering the practical implications of these. I'm joined today by Rachel Pinto, who's a partner in our pensions team, and she's going to be describing for us the new scheme funding requirements contained in the legislation, and considering what this may mean for DB schemes and sponsors. So thanks for joining me, Rachel. Thanks, Tim. Rachel, I think uh, in many ways the kind of funding requirements have flown under the radar a bit because so much of the focus with the legislation has been on the regulators' new kind of regulatory sanctions and powers. So could you just outline for people kind of what the new funding requirements are?
1: Sure. Um, So trustees will be required to determine a strategy for making sure that the benefits under their scheme can be provided over the long term and once they've determined that funding and investment strategy they'll need to then be keeping it under review. The strategy will need to specify the trustees intended funding level for the scheme and also the investments that the trustees intend to hold both as at what's referred to as the relevant date. Now, the meaning of relevant dates will be set out in regulations. The regulator has indicated, though, that it expects schemes to hit their long-term funding target by the time they're significantly mature, and it considers that to be when they reach peak cash flow. So we're expecting the regulations to reflect that. Trustees will generally have to agree their strategy with the scheme sponsoring employer, And an important point to note is that once a scheme's funding and investment strategy has been set, its technical provisions will also have to be calculated in a way that's consistent with that strategy. And now, it's not entirely clear from the legislation what that means, but we do understand that in its new funding code, the regulator will say that it expects the scheme's technical provisions to increase over time to ensure that the scheme's long-term funding target is met. As soon as reasonably practical after determining or revising the funding and investment strategy, trustees will need to produce a written statement and that statement will need to set out a number of different things including the extent to which they consider the funding and investment strategy is being successfully implemented And where it isn't, then the steps that they propose to take to remedy that, including the timescales. Then secondly, they'll need to set out the main risks that the scheme faces in implementing the strategy and how the trustees intend to mitigate those risks. Then they'll also need to set out their reflections on any significant decisions that they've taken that are relevant to the scheme's funding and investment strategy, and also any lessons that they've learned from that. The trustees will need to consult with the scheme's employer when they either prepare or they're revising the written statement, but they won't actually need to get the employer's consent. They don't need to actually get the employer's agreement to the contents of that written statement.
0: So it, it sounds like there's a number of new requirements that trustees of DB schemes need to be aware of and also sponsors. What do you think the practical impact of these are likely to be?
1: Well, the fact that a scheme's long-term target is now going to drive its technical provisions will obviously be a fairly significant change in the statutory funding regime. The technical provisions will obviously impact the level of deficit repair contributions that employers have to pay into a scheme. And so, depending on each particular scheme's circumstances, that could lead to potentially a significant increase in deficit repair contributions for employers. Then, in terms of the new twin track funding routes, as I mentioned, that could lead to a loss of flexibility for schemes because many might feel that they've got to try and push themselves into the fast track route either because that starts to be seen as the required standard or because, particularly for smaller schemes or schemes that are less well-funded, the costs of going through that bespoke process could well be seen as being unattractive and cumbersome.
0: Yeah, and as you've indicated, it's the pensions regulator ultimately that's responsible for enforcing these new requirements. Has it said anything about how it's going to go about that?
1: Well... If trustees fail to put in place a funding and investment strategy, then the regulator will have powers that it will be able to exercise under the Pensions Act 2004. And that will include a new power for the regulator to impose its own funding and investment strategy on a scheme. I should also just mention the regulator's new funding code of practice, The regulator launched the first stage of its consultation on the revised code in March last year when it asked for views on proposals, including its twin-track funding approach, which provides for a fast-track and a bespoke route to funding. Now, under the fast-track approach, a scheme can expect limited regulatory intervention if it meets the regulator's prescribed metrics which will cover matters, for example, like the length of its recovery plan, discount rates, investment risk, and the shape of the scheme's journey plan. If trustees can't, or if they choose not to adopt the approach that the regulator has prescribed under the fast-track route, then they will need to use what's called the bespoke route, and that will require them to actually justify their approach to the extent that their approach differs from the fast-track and also any additional risk that they intend their scheme to carry. The regulator issued an interim response indicating that responses to the consultation had generally supported its proposed approach, but it did highlight a few concerns that had been raised. So for example, the fast track guidelines could mean a loss of flexibility for schemes because it benchmarks the bespoke route against the fast track parameters, There's also risk of increased evidential burden for schemes who choose the bespoke route and a risk that that route might start being seen as being second best to the fast track. So the regulator is now considering the consultation responses and it says that it will be developing its fast track guidelines and that it will do that taking into account the economic conditions including, for example... Obviously, the impact of COVID-19 on sponsors and schemes over the last year or so and beyond, and also the uncertain impact of of Brexit that we still have.
0: Okay. And when can we expect these new requirements to actually come into force?
1: Well, the revised Code of Practice will be published for consultation after the DWP's consultation on the draft regulation has, has been published, And that's expected to be in the first part of this year. And that's to make sure that the code is consistent, of course, with the new legislation. The regulator expects that it will then be in a position to publish the second consultation in the second half of this year. It isn't yet clear when the new statutory requirements will come into force, but the regulator has said that schemes won't be required to comply with a new funding code until spring 2022 at the earliest. So a little while in the future still.
0: Great. Thanks for that roundup. Just for those who are listening, if you would like to listen to any other podcasts in this series, which are covering different aspects of the billing, including the regulators, new powers and the new ESG requirements for larger occupational pension schemes, then check out our UK Pensions blog or our Pensions Regulatory Hub. So thanks for joining us, Rachel. Thanks. And uh, thanks everyone for listening.